to better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Gail. So wonderful to be back and studying together. And our study today in Search for Certainty is Revelation's most thrilling message. And it's an end-time message for today. The book of Revelation is one of the most important books in the entire Bible. Its main theme or central focus is the return of Jesus Christ. Revelation unmasks the deceptive plans of Satan and it unfolds the plans of God for these last days. In Revelation 14, Jesus is clearly pictured as the Son of Man coming on a cloud to reap the harvest of the earth. Before he returns, he sends a special message to prepare a people for his coming, and we find this message in verses 6 through to 12. Many people believe Revelation is a closed book, but the very name Revelation means an unfolding or revealing. The book of Revelation is Jesus' special message to his end-time church. And before we begin, Hannah, would you open with prayer for us? Sure. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we praise you because you are good God. Father, as we open the scripture and search your words, Lord, I pray that we, you will pour your Holy Spirit upon each one of us, Lord. And I pray that we may hear your voice and give us understanding that we may know you more and more and be ready for your coming. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious and loving name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Well, in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through to 12, Jesus reveals his special message to prepare his people for earth's last hour. So the question we're looking for, and Hannah, if you could read verse 6 for us, who bears this message to earth? Yes, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So it was an angel, another angel there yes. flying in the midst. So throughout the book of Revelation, angelic messengers are pictured as bearing a message to earth. Mm. The fact that angels are pictured as bearing this message reveals its urgent heavenly importance. And Jesus commissioned his angelic messengers to impress the mind of his prophet John with heavenly visions of end time events. John wrote these messages down in the Bible's last book, 
revelation. And it's interesting, Hannah, because John was on the island of Patmos Mm -hmm. for the Lord. He was actually imprisoned there Mm. where he saw these wonderful visions and wrote them down. Wow. Well, how universal is this message and who is to receive it? If you would read verse 6 again of chapter 14. Sure. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue and people. Wow. Yes. So it's... Everyone. (laughs) Everyone. Absolutely the entire Mm. world. So the Apostle John saw an angel and this angel was flying swiftly in heavens, in the heavens, quickly carrying God's last day message. Mm. Yes, Hannah. To Japan, to Australia, to Africa, Mm. to Indonesia, to England, everywhere. Yes. No one was to miss out. Mm. It's interesting If we return in our Bibles to Genesis, we find that Noah preached a message of urgent importance for men and women Mm. soon to face a universal flood. And a little later then in the book of Genesis, God sent a message through Joseph Mm. warning of an Egyptian famine. The message of Noah and Joseph was sent by a loving God to prepare his people for overwhelming events that would profoundly affect millions. Mm. Once again, in our day, God has a special message for his people. It is a message of urgent importance. Amen. Well, Hannah, what We're still in verse 6. There's so much to (laughs) unpack in Revelation 14, Mm. verse 6. What is the central feature of God's final loving appeal before he returns? And what is this universal message that the angel has for every nation, tribe, tongue, and people? Yes. I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth to every nation, tribe, tongue and people. So every uh, everlasting gospel. Amen. Mm. The heart of God's last day message, yes Hannah, is the everlasting gospel. Mm. And is that the message, Hannah, that you heard that allowed you to understand Jesus? That's right. It was, um, yeah, this um, yeah, everlasting gospel was uh, preached to me, and um, it was, um, yeah, I have to preach to more, many more people who don't know this, especially in Japan. Who, my friend and family, they don't know yet. But it says that to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people. So I, we have to continue to preach this message. It's something you want to share. Yes. Amen. Because it's such good news. Mm. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. It is the story of the cross. It is the story of Jesus' love, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. The gospel is, let's look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 to see what the Apostle Paul puts, how he puts it. What is the gospel in this verse? Yes. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
Amen. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Doesn't matter Jews or um, Greek or Australian, Japanese, like doesn't matter for anyone who believes. This is the power of God to salvation. Amen. It's like dynamite. Mm. It's explosive. Yes. It's it's. This wonderful good news, it speaks of a love that transforms our lives and makes us into new persons in Christ. Mm. Wonderful good news. Well, what pe- we need that in our time, don't we? Yes. Well, what particular time period does this message draw our attention to in Revelation 14 and verse 7? It says, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Mm. Mm. It says the hour of His judgment has come. That's interesting, Hannah, because the tense in that verb is, is telling us that it has already come. It is here. Some translations will... I have a new uh, King James Version mm. Bible at home, and it says the hour of God's judgment is come. It's come. It's, it's already arrived. Yes. It's here. Mm. Well, what did Jesus and the Apostle Paul declare regarding the timing of the judgment? And we need to unpack this a little further. We'll go to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Okay. The Bible says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Hmm. It's interesting. It says they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Talking as talking as a um, future event. Yes, yeah, something that had not already happened. Hmm. That's interesting. That's the words of Jesus. Now, what about in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25? How did the Apostle Paul put it? Okay, Acts 24 verse 25, it says, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Hmm. So there the judgment was to come. Still in the future. Yes. Interesting. So Jesus speaks of the day of judgment in the future, and Paul describes the day of judgment to come in the days of both Jesus and Paul. The judgment was certainly a future event. Yes. Revelation's urgent message for us today is the hour of of God's judgment is come. It is here. here. Mm. Well, our choices determine our eternal destiny. What two classes exist when Jesus comes? We go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 11 and 12. It says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his 
work. Mm. So Jesus is coming to give rewards. Mm-hmm. So a judgment must precede his coming mm-hmm. to determine who receives what rewards when he comes. The destiny of all men and women must be decided before he returns. Mm. And we've looked at the second coming of Jesus. Yes. And there will be those that will be happy to see him. Yes. But there's also others that don't want to see him. That's right. Because of the choices that they have made. Mm. They wanted to hide. They was telling rock and mountains fall on us. They would rather die if they see Jesus. So they were those people who rejected God. Mm. Yes. Well, this judgment takes place not because God does not know who is saved or lost. Mm. He certainly does know. Remember, Hannah, when we studied uh, last time about a rebel angel who has challenged God's character. Lucifer has claimed that God is unfair Mm. and unjust. The judgment reveals God's character of love. Mm. It shows that anyone who is lost is lost because of their own choices. Choices. Mm. We all have freedom to choose. Mm. That's one of the blessings that our loving God has given us. He hasn't made us as robots. That's right. Well, when did this judgment begin? And how can you and I have assurance in the judgment? These and many other questions will be answered in the next two studies. However, there is more to the message of Revelation 14 to survey in this study. I guess we could say that this is, we're just having an overview today of the three angel message of Revelation 14. Mm. Well, who does this message say is to be worshipped, Hannah, in Revelation 14 and verse 7? Yes, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him who uh, for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Worship him who is the creator of this universe. Amen. Mm. It's interesting because we're living in an age today when the evolutionary hypothesis has captured the scientific world. Mm. God invites us to worship him, as you read, Hannah. As a creator. The basis of all worship is simply this. He is our life giver. Mm. He is worthy of our worship and our adoration Mm. and our praise. Mm. Revelation gives an urgent last day call to worship Christ as creator. Now, in in a future lesson, we're going to discover God's end time sign of last day allegiance, the symbol of his creative power. Hmm. That will be an interesting study, Hannah. Yes, I'm excited for that. (laughs) For what important announcement does the second angel make? Revelation 14 and verse 8. It says, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Mm. So Babylon is fallen. Mm. That's interesting. What call does God give to people in Babylon and why 
in Revelation 18 and verse 4. It says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Mm. Clearly saying, come out of her. So we'll need to understand Mm. who composes Babylon and what does Babylon stand for. The city of Babylon was built on the site of the former Tower of Babel, where God confused the languages. In Revelation's prophecies, it is a symbol of religious confusion. Revelation's spiritual Babylon represents false religion. Hmm. It symbolizes a departure from Bible truth. And in a future lesson, Hannah, we will discover just how error has slipped into the Christian church and God's call back to truth. It will be quite revealing. Hmm. But what issue does the third angel deal with in Revelation 14, 9 through to 11? The Bible says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worship the beast and his image and receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever received the mark of his name. Wow, Hmm. that's a most solemn warning. (laughs) Yes, it is. We could nearly categorize these three angel messages. Hmm. The, The first angel message is going to tell us the truth about God. Yes. And the second angel's message is going to make us aware of Satan's lies. Mm. But the third angel message, obviously there's choices that need to be made. Mm. And we're going to be unpacking that in future studies. Well, how does Revelation describe God's people just before the return of our Lord in Revelation 14 and verse 12? It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So two characteristics, those people who keep the commandment of God and have faith of Jesus. Amen, Hannah. Wow, what a climax this world is coming to Mm. with the gospel message. Yes, as a result of proclaiming the message of Revelation 14, you're absolutely right. Those two classes are being developed and are developing right now as we speak. Mm. One class will receive the mark of the beast and they persecute and oppress the true people of God. Ultimately, they receive the seven last plagues that are mentioned in 
Revelation chapter 16, Mm. and that's another study. But those in the other group sensing it is the judgment hour, loyally stand for their creator. Through faith in Jesus, as you read, Hannah, they keep the commandments of God. They flee from the falsehoods of spiritual Babylon and are protected from the plagues. Amen. What promise does God give to those who study the prophecies of Revelation in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3? It says, Blessed is he who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. It says, Blessed. Well, I don't know if any other Bible is um, saying that if you read this, be blessed. But Revelation 1.3 says, you will be blessed if you read and hear this message. So true, Hannah. And as you read it and as you hear it, then your heart, you choose to keep it. And then you receive the full blessing of what is contained in this very special book. You know, in each of our further studies, our further lessons together, we will especially study God's urgent last day messages for today. We've sort of just had a fly over, you may say, today. Mm. And each study in the series is a vital link in a connected chain to prepare us for the coming of Jesus. And we'll find the keys throughout the scripture to help unlock these mysteries Mm. that we have just begun to share today. You know, Revelation, as uh, as John writes in Revelation chapter one, it is a revealing of Jesus Christ. Yes, and although we uh, our listeners cannot see pictures. Of, of uh, how revelation is depicted. There are so many word pictures of different scenes as you go through the different chapters of revelation. And I'll just share a few. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus is pictured the eternal Christ who was and is and is to come, and he's going to guide his people continually. Then when you read Revelation 2 and 3, John has letters to seven churches, and Jesus is with his church, providing counsel and strength in every age. That's another wonderful study. And Revelation 4 and 5, Jesus is worthy of worship. We're taken into the throne room of God. He created us and redeemed us. And then in Revelation 6 and 7 and 8, verses 1 to 6, talks about seven seals and these refer to Jesus' truth oppressed and cast down will triumph at last. And then in Revelation 8 to Revelation 9 from Revelation 8 verse 7 I should say to Revelation 9 John talks about writes about the seven trumpets to refer to Jesus' people oppressed and persecuted but will be victorious. 
and Revelation 10 and 11. Through disappointment and sorrow, God's last day church will rise to fill its eternal destiny. Revelation 12 to 14, and we've been looking at Revelation 14. Here, the great controversy which began in heaven which we looked at in a previous study to understand how evil began. This will climax in earth's final hours and Jesus will be triumphant and so will they be who follow the Lamb, who keep his commandments and have the faith of Jesus. Revelation 15 and 16 about the seven last plagues they will destroy the wicked oppressors of God's people and Revelation 17 and 18 talks of a woman riding a beast we see there's a church and state will unite forming a religious power block but Jesus will win and Mm. be victorious and then the final chapters Revelation 19 to 22 Christ will come, Satan will be destroyed, righteousness will reign, and Jesus will create a new heaven and a new earth. There's some wonderful studies ahead, Hannah. Wow, this is exciting. And you know, I used to think, and many of my friends also said, oh, Revelation is such a hard book. It's like very difficult to understand. But the name of the book is Revelation. And um, it should reveal us. And it's not a secret book. It's not the book that we never understand. We can understand if we search, continue to search and ask God to help us. Amen, Hannah. Just like you read in verse 3 of chapter 1, blessed are they that read and that hear and that keep those things which are written because the time is at hand or the time is near. Hmm. Well, It's always good to make decisions when you study God's Word. And we have a decision question here that I pray our listeners at home and I myself and you, Hannah, that we can take this and and think about this commitment. It says, I long to know Jesus' truth and I choose to open my mind to his guidance. Lord, wherever you lead me, I will follow I will seek your will and your truth always. I pray that is your decision for at, ho- uh, at home or wherever you're listening from, and that's my choice. Amen. I want to follow and seek the Lord wherever his truth leads. Amen. Well, let us close this time of study in prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, We thank you because you are a God of love. You are our God. You are our creator. You are our redeemer. You are the one who teaches us through your word, through the Holy Spirit, guiding us into all truth. And today, as we have looked at the overview of the three angel message and the everlasting gospel, this wonderful good news that is to go to all the world with the present truth of the three angel message, we pray, Lord, that you may continue to guide our minds, lead our listeners, lead us all, Lord, 
to that wonderful, loving, trusting relationship where we will love you and love your words and we may all be ready as unbroken families for the very soon and imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for teaching us today and thank you that there is nothing that can happen in our lives of which you are not aware and that you are there for us as we go through trials and temptations and as you we go on our journey to know you you will lead us because that is your promise you will never leave us nor forsake us and we thank you in Jesus name amen amen we thank you for joining us today and Hannah, I really enjoyed our Bible study together. Me too. Thank you, Gail. And it's also wonderful to have our listeners joining in with us. We look forward to you coming back and joining us next time. And until then, God bless you and go in peace. questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, dot org dot au. Our postal address is 3 ABN Australia Inc, PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Give glory to His name. 
For the hour of his judgment is come. Of the east, 
and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That was Call to Praise singing The Hour. And coming up next, Marlena Fong will sing Learning to Lean. i 
Academy will now sing, O Brother, Be Faithful. O Brother, be faithful, soon Jesus will come, for whom we have waited so long. O soon we shall enter our glorious home, and join in the conqueror's song. O brother, be faithful, for why should we prove unfaithful to him who has shown? Such deep, such unbounded and infinite love, who died to redeem us his own. O brother, be faithful, the city of gold, prepared for the good and the blessed is waiting its portals of pearl to unfold and welcome thee into thy rest. Then, brother, prove faithful, not long shall we stay in weariness here and forlorn. Time's dark night of sorrow is wearing away. We haste to the glorious morn. O brother, be faithful, he soon will descend, creation's omnipotent king. While legions of angels his chariot attend, and palmries of victory bring. O brother, be faithful, and soon shalt thou hear thy Savior pronounce the glad word. Well done, faithful servant, thy title is clear To enter the joy of thy Lord O brother, be faithful, eternity's years Shall tell for thy faithfulness now When bright smiles of gladness shall scatter thy tears A coronet gleam on thy brow O brother, be faithful, the promise is sure That waits for the faithful and try To reign with the ransomed, immortal and pure And ever with Jesus abide Hello, my name is Dr Kylie Smith. I'm an environmental educator. Thank you so much for joining me today. In this program, I'm going to look briefly at the role of environmental factors in heart health. I will explore the rational basis for the Bible's teachings on the environment. And I will look at how scientific research provides support for following God's plan. To look at the biblical ideal, we need to look right back at the beginning of our world, back to creation. We find the creation story in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And after God had created the world on the sixth day, we read about how God created people. So looking in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, we read, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. 
And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So here in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26 to 28, we have an overall summary of how God created people. In chapter 2, we're given more details about creation in general and God's creation of people. Looking in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, we read, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we see here that God created people out of dust or dirt. And this shows us that there is a very close connection between people and nature in God's original creation. Where did God then place these people, this man that he made? And later on, we read about how he made the first woman. Where were they placed? If we have a look in verse 8, we see that the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And so we see from this that God placed people in a garden. And science is now revealing to us the benefits of the environment in which God placed people. In fact, there is so much scientific evidence. Today, I just want to speak briefly about a few health benefits that have been linked to natural environments. So in 1877, one of my favourite authors wrote, It is restful to eye and mind to range over the scenes of nature, over forest, hill and valley, plain and river, enjoying the endless diversity of form and colour and the beauty with which trees, shrubs and flowers are grouped in nature's garden, making it a picture of loveliness. So this quote points out, that nature promotes relaxation and reduces distress. It says right at the beginning of the quote, it is restful to eye and mind. There is a lot of peace to be found in nature according to this author. This is very important because distress is a significant factor in health conditions, including heart health. And today we are hearing a lot about how much negative stress there is in our lives, especially in Western society. So how does stress negatively impact our heart? Well, one way is through adrenaline. Stress releases adrenaline, which increases our heart rate, causes blood vessels to constrict, alters the viscosity, or in other words, the thickness of our blood, as well as its clotting properties. All of these factors drive up blood pressure, increasing the risk of heart disease or stroke. And so science is now showing that the restful scenes of nature can help to alleviate negative stress. What can nature do? How can it help us? Well, some of the things that help are the sounds of nature. So flowing water and birdsong have been shown to have therapeutic benefits. 
tree density and vegetated settings have been shown to elicit positive emotions. Outdoor experiences can improve calmness, they can reinvigorate and rejuvenate the mind, body and spirit. They can promote feelings of safety, opportunity, connection and pleasure. Contact with nature has been shown to reduce anger, frustration and aggression. And contact with nature also increases a sense of belonging and acceptance. So from um, this research that has been done, we see that nature in itself reduces distress. Now activity in nature confers additional benefits. We often hear about the benefits of walking for health. And if we can do that out in the fresh air, then it's um, going to obviously have health benefits that we can't obtain from working in a gym. And studies have been done specifically on gardening and it has been shown to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. So we have seen that contact with animals and plants has positive effects on health. Unfortunately though, the artificiality of the spaces in which we live has dramatically increased over the past several centuries from approximately 1750 when the Industrial Revolution began. And in highly artificial environments, we not only lose the benefits of our contact with nature, but these things that promote health are often replaced by things that actively harm health. Again, from the same author, written in 1905, I quote, the noise and excitement and confusion of the cities, their constrained and artificial life are most wearisome and exhausting. The air laden with smoke and dust, with poisonous gases and with germs of disease is a peril to life. So let's have a look at some of these pollutants that can cause problems. And as I said, this quote was written in 1905. So since 1905, there are obviously a lot more pollutants in our environment now than what there were then. So we're just going to look at one example, particulate matter. So we're looking at environmental factors in heart health. And we hear today a lot about cholesterol. Now, while diet-associated cholesterol is a risk factor for heart disease and stroke, a review published in the Journal of Thoracic Disease in 2016 reached the conclusion that air pollution is now becoming an independent risk factor for cardiovascular illness and deaths. This review that was published in the Journal of Thoracic Disease looked at a number of different studies and it concluded in part that many studies of various types suggest that particulate matter in air pollution is strongly associated with increased cardiovascular disease such as risk of heart attacks, irregular heartbeat, blood clots or blood vessel blockages leading to stroke, blood vessel dysfunction, high blood pressure, and build up of fatty materials in blood vessels, or in other words, atherosclerosis. Particulate matter can contribute to cardiovascular disease either directly because of the toxins it contains, or indirectly as it can physically injure body tissues, which increases inflammation. So the signs of inflammation are redness, heat, and swelling, also that causes pain. Uh, particulate matter can also lead to increased harmful free radicals in the body. 
And when there are more free radicals present than can be kept in balance by the antioxidants, the free radicals can start doing damage to fatty tissue, DNA and proteins in our bodies. And so they can contribute, amongst other things, to atherosclerosis. Where do these pollutants come from? Well, there are multiple sources. Uh, probably the biggest source is various forms of combustion. So, of course, wood and products from trees can produce these pollutants. And so in late 2019 to early 2020, we've had terrible fires in Eastern Australia and the smoke from these bushfires reached unprecedented levels. And this resulted in increased particulate matter and other pollutants in the air. And during this time, the air pollution levels in Sydney, Port Macquarie and other places reached hazardous levels. And for a number of days, many days, they were the worst in the world significantly higher than other places well known for their air pollution such as um, Beijing and Delhi. Okay so it comes from combustion from wood from fires and things like that also the production and burning of fossil fuels which is obviously an ongoing thing and so for instance in the Hunter Valley the production and burning of fossil fuels has been linked to increased rates of cancer, heart, lung, liver and kidney disease, as well as birth defects throughout the region. Also, in order to um, make space to create mines and things like that, what we often do is to remove the vegetation. And when we do that, that means that we have a loss of what we call ecosystem services. Ecosystem services are services provided by nature, such as the purification of air and water. And so because there is less vegetation to remove pollutants, the levels of pollutants obviously will be higher. So there are pollutants in the environment today and um, these things have a negative impact on heart health. The other aspect of heart health that we've looked at is distress and artificial environments have been linked to distress. And so some examples of these are noise and the vibrations of machinery. Also, damage to or loss of natural environments can lead to a disease that has been called solastalgia. And this is described as the distress that is produced by environmental change impacting on people while they are directly connected to their home environment. So it's the distress of people as they see the environment in which they've been being destroyed, basically. And an example of this comes again from the hunter, from the upper hunter. So persistent drought and large scale open cut mining in the upper hunter were both linked to solastalgia in a study published in Australian Psychiatry in 2009. So from these we see that scientific evidence has clearly shown how displacement of species from their habitats has an adverse impact on their quality of life and development. So we've just looked briefly at some of the pollutants in the environment, also at artificial environments and distress. It's so sad to see these things. We can see from the biblical model of creation that we were designed to live in nature. And today, these green spaces in which we were designed to live are rapidly diminishing. We need to treasure and cultivate what still remains. How can we do this? I just want to mention three points today. The first point is 
To think about our reason for caring for the environment, I believe the first point in this is we need to recognize God's ownership. In Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so God has created the world. It still belongs to him, but he has entrusted to us a great responsibility. He has entrusted to us a responsibility of being stewards and taking good care of the earth. So when we think about God's great love for us and what he has done for us, I think that can motivate us to see how important it is to care for things that he's made that show what he is like and that are important to him. So then, from this first point, in thinking about how we recognise God's ownership, then the next point is naturally follows from that, which is to follow God's plan. And the law of Ten Commandments, which can be summarised as taking to give, is really the law of life for the universe. And we're seeing that much of the environmental destruction in the world today is due to greed. It's due to neglect of God's law and neglect of understanding of God's character and how he has planned for us to care for the environment. When we follow God's plan, that can help to care for the environment. And then the third point is, which is connected really to the second one, is to look for God's laws in nature and use these to manage our environment. So for instance, today we're violating many of the boundaries that God has placed in nature for our protection. Levels of greenhouse gases, chemicals, disruption of the nitrogen cycle and so forth are global factors in environmental degradation. By doing things like reducing use of pesticides, choosing sustainable products and so forth, we can work to preserve God's creation. So God has entrusted the earth to our care. Let's strive to be responsible stewards and show the blessings of obedience to his ways. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.